Menace to Sports is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity, like Progressive Home and Auto Policies. They're best when bundled, too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save over $775 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings is $779 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary, not available in all states. Menace Nation, it's Menace Morning Time. Wake them up, wake them up, wake them up, wake them up. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. Trying to hide from the camera. I'm going to make a toast because we still alive. I ain't going outside today. No big. Couldn't find our tea. So I'm drinking on egg today. I feel like Pac. I'm going to pull up my star. We're going to do a drive-by in the rain. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in. It is Tuesday, March 29th. Welcome to Menace in the Morning on Menace to Sports live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. So anywhere you want to watch us live, you can watch it. We might switch actually here in the near future and just go on YouTube to try to pump those numbers. So if you are watching on Facebook or Twitter, Go subscribe to YouTube right now. YouTube.com forward slash menace, the number two, then sports. Menace to sports. Subscribe. Click the bell so you can hang out with us every morning. Mm -hmm. I know some people like the feed on Facebook because they get notified. So make sure you click the bell on YouTube and you'll still get notified. And you can hang out with us every morning. Also, if you haven't peeped it yet, either make a note or go right now on our YouTube channel and open it so you can watch it after the show. I put out a a little bit over a 20-minute breakdown of the first half of the of the the rivalry game, the team up north, Michigan, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's important to do. A lot of people, uh, I posted it in a bunch of Facebook groups, Chris. I didn't even tell you this. And all, the, I mean, it's Buckeye fans are awesome. But yeah. the, some of them are absolutely fucking hilarious. Like one guy said, quit being an armchair quarterback. It's time to move on. Like we all know what happened. And I was like, uh, do you? <laughs> armchair quarterback. Never, never been called that. Um, but I, I have a, and I responded, I was like, I have a feeling that you've never heard a take on the game like this. It's pretty detailed. And, and I, I have an idea what was going on. I was very like respectful mm-hmm. about it. And he was, he was like, everybody think everybody thinks they know what they're doing. Unless, unless you're one of the coaches, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm walking away from this one. Gotcha. Gotcha, bub. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool look at it because I just kind of go, Chris made an awesome cut up of, of the, like kind of the key plays throughout the whole game. And then I went through and just discussed what happened. Mm-hmm. And what it really shows you is, is football is a game of inches, especially in a game like that on the road against a rivalry, a senior-laden team. And uh, and it just <laughs> – oh, Chris. Oh, oh no, Chris. Cooking oh, no, Chris. Cooking the Christian said, man, instead of calling a barbershop for hometown hero, y'all need to call one and get Chris scheduled for a lineup. <laughs> y'all, y'all killing me, man. They're killing you in the me. chat. I hope he's not black. That's got to be black on black crime. It's Will Smith and Chris Rock. That's crime. 
But anyways, appreciate it, Christian. I needed a laugh this morning. It's, it, I don't want to keep pumping it, but just go go on YouTube and check it out. I think I think you'll you'll learn something if nothing else. We're gonna do the second half, and then we're not stopping there. It's not just gonna be losses. We're gonna do a Rose Bowl breakdown of kind of the receivers, what to, mm-hmm. what to be excited about, what they did well, and uh, got some spring practice updates from from some birdies that I have um, in this episode. Ooh. So stay tuned later in the show, and that'll come up. And I always want to mention, go to my bookie, promo code Menace. You deposit 200 bucks, they give you 100 bucks. It's a 50% deposit match. So you get free money to bet. I know with, with the Final Four coming up. And then I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Chris, I don't know if you do, or I don't know if our listeners want to bet on horses, but we got the, the Triple Crown season is coming up. And I love horse racing. Mm-hmm. Love horse racing. I'm not a big sports gambler, which is weird because I know about sports and I don't really know about horse racing, but I love betting on horses. It's just, it's my favorite thing <laughs> in the world. So You look like you like to bet on horses. Oh, if you, But you know what? I went to the University of Kentucky for two years, right? After, after Bowling Green, before I went to Florida, and uh, they have a place called Keeneland down there. If you've never heard of it, Google it. It is unreal. Mm-hmm. So for like four or five weeks in the spring, four or five weeks in the, in the fall, it opens up. It's racing season. You know, you're in college. Everyone gets dressed up. All the sorority girls are in their little sundresses. And everybody goes and gets just gets drunk and goes to these races and bets. It's just it's a blast. And it's like you feel like you're rich, even though you're not. <laughs> it's like it'd be like seven dollars to get in. And you're betting like two dollars a race. Mm-hmm. But you're hanging out and you feel like I'm in some like the Kentucky Derby with Justin Timberlake and Beyonce. You know what I mean? Like You feel so big time but you're really not it's really like it's like it's a nice classy version of Sciota Downs if you're from Columbus like it's it's sweet so I, I would encourage anyone to to go check it out I'm going this spring I'm taking my kids my, I'm taking everybody we're all going got to do it um so can anyway I come, can I come too yeah you can come come on down. It's, it's, maybe, it's, maybe we'll have a menace tailgate before right. a Keeneland race all right I mean I'm, we'll I'm to, with it we'll have to see what uh is there any way to ship Dark Archie to Memphis? There's not. Um, I wish. But anyways, Chris, that's all I got. That's that's my preview. That's my four minute, four and a half minute preview to the show. Cool. I'm I'm with it. You know, got some laughs in there. Got to hang out a little bit. Um, I do want to ask you, kind of as a wide receivers coach, because I'm you know, I am really curious. <laughs> um, what are some of the top? What are the top traits you look for? Because obviously we're going to seg- segue this into some camp stuff and talk about you know who's really been flashing in camp. But being a wide receiver coach, what are the, what are the top traits you look for when recruiting a kid to get him on campus? You know, I think the the biggest thing you know it, it, I get this question a lot, and the answer is there isn't one. Right? You're really looking for an alpha, a dog, Mm -hmm. like a a playmaker. That's what you're looking for. I've seen it all, right? We had a kid named Brandon James at Florida that was 5'8". We have, I mean, I've I've seen it all. Mike Thomas is 6'3", right? You you have some some huge receivers, some short receivers, some really fast receivers, some ball skill receivers. Like, I have seen it all, right? I've seen every type of receiver from Terry McLaurin, who was super fast and didn't have great ball skills coming out of high school, to Paris Campbell, who played running back, no idea if he could catch or play receiver, but just had elite elite skill set when he ran, changed of direction. You know, you have Michael Thomas, who was so raw, so long, so lanky, so skinny, so underdeveloped out of high school, had unbelievable ball skills and had a great bloodline, right? There, there's so many different traits, but in the end, the ones that all the ones that made it, they had a little swagger about them, right? They had a little per, they had that persona that like they were an alpha, like Noah Brown. We, no one knew what he was coming out of high school. I remember watching him with with Mario Cristobal, actually. Him and I sat there and watched him in a workout. He was at Alabama. I was at Ohio State. And I was blown away that Alabama didn't offer him after that workout. But Mario's an O-line guy. But Noah was kind of a pudgy, didn't mm-hmm. know what he was. A t- was he going to be a tight end or a big receiver? Like, 
could he run well enough to play receiver at our level? And Mario didn't wasn't a huge fan, and I offered him on the spot, right? How big because, was Noah? How tall was Noah? Yes, he's about six two, maybe. Okay. I mean, no, not maybe. He's six two. He's my height. Um, and, and you know, he did, but he just he had that kind of asshole in him, like that. He had mm -hmm. that chip on his shoulder, like just wanted to grind, wanted to be great. And honestly, coming in and being able to see Michael Thomas work really gave Noah the blueprint. And then he he took it over the top. He was a grinder. And I've said it before, if he didn't break his leg in the 2015 season, he he was pushing Mike Thomas to be the number one. And uh, so every receiver is different, right? And you could keep going. Curtis Samuel, not great ball skills, not a receiver at all, had to be converted to a receiver, right? Was a true running back. So it, ultimately, that's what it is. It's those things that you can't measure on a field. Granted, 4-3 speed, 4-4 four, four speed, that's always great. Like mm -hmm. That's always going to help your case, right? Um, there's a million 4-7 receivers that think they have great ball skills. There's not a bunch of 4-4 four, four receivers. True 4-4. Four, four. Not like high school coach says he runs a 4-4. Four, four. Yeah. But uh, I do always find it funny in recruiting, and, and I was talking about this with Eric Lichter at Plus 2, how uh, so somebody was talking to him that's on his track team and was like, hey, you, we got to get this young kid in here. I'm telling you, he's Ted Ginn. And he was like, whoa, 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 because Eric co coached, te mm -hmm. trained Ted Ginn when he was in high school and, and, and earlier. He was like, let's relax. He's Ted Ginn. And I, I started laughing. I was like, isn't that shit funny? E? Like every receiver <laughs> I ever saw that was like 6'3 or 6'2, like that wasn't a 4'3 on the road. Every one of them was like, I'm telling you, coach, this kid is just like Michael Thomas. You're like, we <laughs> My, okay, he's Michael Thomas. He's Julio Jones, huh? Wow, there's only been one. There's like Megatron, Julio Jones, and your high school kid. Got it. Got it. There's the three. We found them. It's like it's it's hilarious those comparisons. But yeah, um, you know. So I guess long-winded answer is simplified. Is, so you look for mentality and then kind of the physical traits afterwards. And a you baller, like you, right? You look yeah. for a baller. Like you go to practice, he's just dogging everybody, talking a little shit. Like you mm -hmm. watch you watch his rivalry game in high school, and he's the one that goes off for two hundred yards receiving. Like like just has that it mentality that shows up. Like when the lights are on, he shows up. Even when the lights are off, he's 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 there working. Like you look for all that intangible stuff to match the skills. Because yeah. there's 100 receivers with the skills to develop into a good enough player to play at Ohio State. Probably 100. But there's only maybe 10 that yeah. actually are that. And yeah. you got to go figure out which 10 they are and go figure out and then rank them 1 to 10 and go after 1 through 10 in order. Uh, but how do you evaluate kids like when you go see and they're, they're dogs and they're assholes and they're bringing in practice, but they're just beating up on like like base – like kids basically well that's part of it right like julian that's fleming rose the number one player in the country um, per espn was the number one receiver number four on per 247 but he was going up against bad competition so it's easy to bring it against them how do you yeah, evaluate see, that kid so i have a pretty strong opinion about that <laughs> and i get that it's uh it's, and you you always thought julian fleming was a little bit overrated coming out just oh yeah i mean but granted he was a sophomore when i started recruiting him mm -hmm. so i mean that's not entirely fair to him and the, you know then i got fired and heartland recruited him the rest of the way home and so he got much he he got i didn't watch his film he probably got better mm -hmm. um no, but his definitely. the competition he was playing against was so god awful and so here, here's my biggest problem is these recruiting services and i get it it'll never change because it's a money grab right they want subscribers they want people to sign up for their insight whatever that is and so they're going to rank the sophomore class. They're going to rank the freshman class. Like right now, you could probably go on and find out the 2025 one through 100, which is just fucking wild. Because what it does is for a guy like Julian Fleming, he's a number one player overall, like as a sophomore or whatever. And you're like, all right, I mean, this kid is, you don't even know what that means. In two mm -hmm. years, 
kids are going to develop and grow, and we don't know if he's going to be yeah. the number one player. So hey, I was wish- it wasn't wasn't Danny Clark like the number six player for his his class in like the eighth or exactly. ninth grade or whatever, and exactly. then everyone and, and else got bigger, point. faster, stronger. And what happens is these kids get so inflated that they don't go to camps, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they're not going to work out at, at colleges because they're like, no, I mean, I'm the number one player in the country. I don't have to work out. And you're like, well, mm. I mean, yeah, technically you don't have to, but it'd be best for both of us if you did. Right, because mm-hmm. then you can find out exactly what it is. You give you give me thirty minutes, forty minutes with a kid, one on one, or in a small group setting at a camp doing drills. You know, do some one on ones. I'm gonna know everything I need to know about that kid. Right, I don't care who he plays in high school. I now know because I have my hands on him. I worked him out. Right, and those kids won't do it. They won't do it. And I talk about it all the time. It's Danny Davis, um, who who went to Wisconsin. He would not come to camp. Because he thought he, he, it was almost like he was angry at me for not offering him. He's like, I'm not coming to camp. You didn't offer me. And it's like, bro, I, you want to come to Ohio State. I would right. love for you to come to Ohio State. I want you to come work out to see if you're good enough to play here. You should want that too. Right. But the problem these kids are in is they go to camp. He had a Wisconsin offer. If Wisconsin finds out that he goes to camp with us and I don't offer him, what do you think they think? Oh, he's not good enough. Yeah. Immediately they're like, yeah. ooh. Ooh, Uh-oh. Yeah, ooh, let's uh-oh. watch his tape again. Throw his tape up. So it's it's just a dangerous, it's it's such a fragile world recruiting mm-hmm. is because I, I, I there was another kid, uh, Alex. Do you, wait, do you ever use that to, to create doubt in another coach's head? Like like no. bring in a kid. Oh, cause that'd be, I mean, that'd be such a big time thing to do. I would do it all the time. Bring a kid yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, no, not up. really. It, it was, you know, you're focused on yourself. If the kid's good enough and we want to go off them. If no, not, you're you're crazy. I know you worry about other people. You're not. You don't have me fooled. No, I'm just saying. Like, what, what would? So don't offer him, even though I want him. Like, <laughs> no, like, like, like uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Tr- I, I, I'm just an asshole. Go ahead. <laughs> right. But I, I had another kid, Alex Stump, who just refused to come to camp. He was, and he he always said like, oh, I, I feel like my my tape speaks for itself, right? And it's like, okay, I mean, your tape's not that good, but okay, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 pretty good. It's not, but it's not exceptional. And it's like, and and I was pushing hard, pushing hard, and finally, Urban was like, no, we I think we got to take this kid. I'm like, oh, I, I don't think we should, but okay. And another about the kid. The kid was a great kid, but at the end of the day, he wasn't good enough to play at Ohio State. And I would have, I had a feeling he wasn't, but I would have known that had I had him in camp and he would have known that and he would have saved himself years. He went to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think he played much, but he would have, he would have, but shout out to him. I mean, got a Vanderbilt degree, living a yeah. great life. Like he's oh, one yeah. of like one of the best friends with like, uh, like Nick Bosa and like Sam Hubbard and all those guys. So I guess he wouldn't be best friends with them if he didn't come. But at the end of the day, my moral story is he would have not have wasted time coming to Ohio State if he'd have come to camp because we'd have we'd have realized he wasn't good enough. We would have talked to him and told him we think you know we think you need to look somewhere else because we have other plans in in the receiver room. And he would have went somewhere else, and who knows, might have played and then might have proved us wrong. Right? Some of the times, it is. It's circumstantial, right? A kid comes to Ohio State, not good enough, right? Doesn't play. Then he's not as motivated, doesn't work as hard. Where if he went to Indiana, he might have played, got motivated, grinded his ass off, and become a great player and proved us wrong. So, like, circumstance matters sometimes. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what's wrong with recruiting. Julian Fleming, number one player overall. And I'm not saying he's not good enough. We don't know that yet. But he was playing against dudes that look like my, my 12-year-old. And yeah. it's just, and, and he was looked like an NFL player as a sophomore, like grown ass man. Mm-hmm. And it's just you went to, you went to go see him, right? Oh God, yeah. Uh, so I the, that was a, one of the only times I went and saw a freshman 
Well, I mean, unless unless he was just in an area, right? Like if I'm yeah. in South Florida recruiting, I stop by a high school, there's a freshman, I'm going to see him, right? But Julian Fleming was one of the first 14-year-olds that I scheduled a trip because he was in the absolute middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, right? You, had, I don't even remember. I think I flew into Pittsburgh, maybe, drove, I don't know, two hours. This is going to be one of those stories. Like I walked to school in the snow, uphill, both ways, <laughs> right? Like, I, you, someone's going to Google it and be like, Bitch, it is an hour and 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> But whatever it was, I mean, it was like a long-ass trip. It took an entire day of recruiting, which if mm -hmm. you know, you have like 15 days, maybe 20 days recruiting, depending on the assistant coach. Like, to take a whole day for a 14-year-old, that some bitch better be a dog. Right. And, you know, to, to all intents and purposes, he was supposed to be that. Well, I, went, I, I flew into whatever airport, drove however many hours to his high school, like wiped the whole day out. And I, I talked to him, you know, the week before about I'm going to come on Tuesday, whatever. I show up at the high school and, and the high school coach comes out. We talk to him and he's like, yeah, so Julian's not here today. I was like, what? What do you mean he's no. not here? <laughs> I told he him said, I was going to be here. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Uh, let me call him. He called him and he was like, he, he had a dentist appointment. Then he went to lunch with his grandpa or, or something. He just wasn't there the whole day. So I flew. I did all that travel to go see him. I didn't even get to see him. And Damn, so I was, he obviously, he's a, I mean, a he's a great kid. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal kid. So he, I actually, it actually paid off because he was like, coach, I am so sorry. I completely forgot. I was like, well, listen, you got to do me a favor now. I came all my, I, I flew my ass and drove my ass all the way here to mm. see you as a freshman. You got to do me a favor this summer. You got to come to Ohio state, your first trip. And he was like, bet done. So I was like, yeah, Huge. fuck it. That's Let's all you want to do. Anyways, you're, you're you getting in the get school to try to get the kid to come on campus in the summer. So really mission accomplished, right? Because mm -hmm. I parlayed it. I mean, he, he felt bad. I knew he felt bad. I'm like, all right, you feel bad. Let's see how bad you feel. Come see the Buckeyes. <laughs> yeah, come, see the, <laughs> he did. Come, come see the Buckeyes. <laughs> he did. First trip, him mm -hmm. and his family came out and, and, and spent a whole couple days, or really two days with us. Or really it was like a day and then the morning and left. But that, that's how we started recruiting Julian Fleming. So kind of a gift and a curse, right? Didn't get to see him, but parlayed it into getting him on campus. And now he's a Buckeye, which now he's like, a Buckeye. take credit for it. But that certainly. <laughs> no, take I, credit I, for it. No, I do believe that that gives you an edge. I always try to do that. I was like, I want to be the first visit because it's like the first girl you ever have sex with. You just, it always just holds a special place in your heart, right? The first time you experience something like that, it's like, mm. man. She was awesome. Like that's how that's how it is with visits. You go to Ohio State for the first time, you've never seen a place like that. You're just everything you see is like, whoa, holy and, shit. And then like, every everything's compared to you. Every yeah, every and then girl after. every school you go to, they 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 lose that shock factor because mm -hmm. the first school you visited already already took that from you, right? Like, you can't lose your virginity twice. Once you lost it, you lost it. And that know, and that that person that you you gave it to, they took it and they have it forever. It's the same way in recruiting. It no, really man, I, is. I got mine back. We're born again over here. Um, That's not how it works. I don't care what anyone tells you. <laughs> you were you were on. I want to ask about Mike Mitchell. You were on campus when Mike Mitchell was on campus. Yeah, he was like five star, oh, you all know, everything. all world, all everything, and then he was out in like two months. Yeah, it is just that a guy that, that got to campus was like, I'm not good enough. No, it wasn't that he wasn't good enough. He he just he it wasn't for him. It wasn't for him being that far away from home. Like mm. I, I don't know. It was just you know. This is, you're not supposed to say this, but like sometimes, you know, suburban kids with great families, like they go far from home and they're like, oh, but I, my mom's not here to make my eggs. Like, mm. <laughs> but, but who does my laundry? And it's like, what? Bitch, do your own fucking laundry. What do you mean? <laughs> but I, I not, think his brother ended up coming to campus too and then also transferring. Yeah. His, well, that's his brother was like the number one basketball player in the world or something, Look, something crazy. I don't like talking about this, but I'll say it real quick. Mickey Mitchell 
was the best freshman in high school basketball player I'd ever seen. Like yeah. he started on that PCA team with Julius Randle, and he was a better player than Julius Randle that year. He was a well, six-seven point guard. He was the best I'd ever seen. And then he had the two ACLs, and he played quarterback also. Um, and I don't know. It just he just couldn't ever get that explosion back from his freshman to sophomore year. He was incredible. Came to Ohio State, didn't really play. But go go ahead. Yeah, I mean it was a big deal, right? Mike Mitchell, Mike Mitchell. I think he was the number one linebacker in the country. If not, he was a five star. He was like number two. Um, he was all everything. And and all you all we heard about in recruiting was his younger brother is an absolute like dominant basketball player. Mm -hmm. And so when we landed him, the the basketball coaches were pissing themselves like hell yeah, like. We might we, we got an inside track on this kid and they and they did. And that kid, believe it or not, the younger brother loved Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Mike Mitchell fell in love with Ohio State, if that makes sense. Like the younger brother was a lot a, a lot of the reason why Mike came to Ohio State because the younger brother loved Ohio State, talked about Ohio State all the time. Like, like he was recruiting Mike for us, basically. And he was the big time basketball recruit. So yeah, interesting story. And I I don't mean to call the kid soft. It was it was way more than that. He wasn't soft at all. But he just it just wasn't a good fit for him. I mean, being being that far from home and and how hard the the program was, it just, it just wasn't a good fit for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, Mickey was was the best I'd ever seen. I mean, the best I'd ever seen as a freshman, and obviously, like in Akron, that's like sacrilegious to say because like yeah, LeBron's you from turn in your three three O card. I don't have to turn him. I don't have to turn in a damn thing. If it was February, I would have had to because my, Mickey is white. But uh, but but <laughs> I, I, I'll digress. I do want to ask you, what's the hardest thing as a wide receiver coach to teach these kids when you when you get them in? Like, is it the route running? Is it ball skills? Can you really ever teach someone to be an expert route runner? Like, what is um, the most difficult thing you've had teaching wise once you get a receiver in to uh, to Ohio State? The hardest. I mean, you know, you, let's. You know, you know what it is. You know what a receiver is, right? Mm -hmm. A prima donna wants to score touchdowns. The hardest thing to get a receiver to do is block. Simple mm -hmm. as that. It, I mean, it, it's just no way around it, right? Unless they're just big physical guys and they see that as their way on the field, like Noah Brown did, Evan Spencer did. Like there were some guys you're just like, damn, he likes fucking people up, and he he's like he knows he's gonna get on the field because he he's like that blocking. Um, and then, and then, obviously, they need to be good enough in the pass game. You can't just have some big fat kid that can block. Um, but, but that's the hardest thing, right? Given getting, you know, Michael Thomas or Devin Smith to block a safety in quarters, like push crack a safety. Yeah. Like that's that's tough to do because that kid they're they're not usually huge into like banging their head against someone and making contact. They're not overly, you know, they don't love giving max effort. Think about it. You are trying to keep an athlete with a bunch of space from getting where he wants to get. Do you know how hard that is? You have to really, really, really want to do your job and Who be accountable. Harder, huh? Who's harder to get to buy in, Benjamin Victor or uh, Devin Smith on the blocking side? Devin. Devin harder than Ben? Oh, yeah. Ben was all in. He just he just couldn't. Yeah. He just wasn't, like, built for it. But he was. he would try. Devin, Devin didn't want to try. <laughs> Got you. I just, I just remember that that locker room comment that Urban Meyer made after the Penn State win, where he had that incredible catch and just long stride to touchdown. He basically said, "Oh, he never wanted to block, but here he is. Like, see, when we get him on the field, he could do a good job." But I guess that was yeah. just Urban being an asshole. Well, and that's the difference. That's the difference in in Ohio State now and Alabama, and in comparison to Urban Meyer's offense, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was a receiver coach, because he coached receivers in the '90s, back when it was like. Johnny Johnson from you know <laughs> Cleveland St. Ignatius. Um, he, he was 
he was able to coach them like linemen and like really grind them and, and make them tough and block. And they, if you look at his receiver groups, they were never any good. Like they didn't, they weren't like prolific receiver groups. They just were tough and, and well coached, which I guess is what you want a head coach, maybe not a receiver coach. Um, but either way, um, you had to block under Urban Meyer. You could not be Jamison Williams at Alabama where you really, I mean, you might try to block every now and then, but they just accept the fact that you bring so much value in your playmaking ability that you might miss a block or two. And you know what? That corner or safety, he shouldn't be able to tack, tackle the running back at Alabama, right? He shouldn't be able to tackle Ezekiel Elliott. Now, if you want, like, if you watch the, there's also, there's that, right? And then there's the other side of just understanding how to, if you could just remove one guy from the picture, at least we went one for one, right? The only problem I have with any offense nowadays is when you go 0 for 1, right? Mm. You don't remove a guy because it's not hard to remove a guy, right? Run a go route. Someone's got to go with you. Yeah. And nowadays with RPOs and shit like that, you can, you, can, you can hand it to the running back. Trayvon Henderson can launch it. Like right. someone has to go with you if you run a go route with max effort. But you watch, kind of, you know, and we watched the Michigan breakdown. There's a clip where Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson just come off the ball and just kind of stand there and, like, put their hands on. They're not even, not even giving effort blocking. They just stand there. Travion Henderson ends up having a tiny little little space to try to go make a safety miss because there's four bodies in there. Like, mm -hmm. at least go one for one. Right. At least Back to your question. One. Blocking yeah. is by far the hardest thing to get a receiver to do just because most of them are prima donnas. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Um, I do want to – transition to spring practice we both kind of heard our fair share of things um not your you know typical message board type stuff um but McAllister lost his black stripe that's a kid from Oklahoma State obviously yeah. that should be no surprise there because of all the people with the black stripe he's the one that's been around the college program and then he's also been around Jim Knowles and yeah, I mean he, he knows he knows the defensive system he knows what what's expected of him he's a veteran he's coming in trying to be a starter like of course if, if that kid mm -hmm. didn't lose his black strife this early you'd be like man that was a swing and miss right so it's, it's clear that he is what I mean Jim Knowles would have never brought him here if he wasn't right exactly he is exactly what Jim Knowles thought he was and what the Ohio, what Ohio State needs they need a veteran on defense they need you think about great defenses right I think about my time at Ohio State, the great defenses we had, Christian Bryant was the, mm. the absolute alpha fucking wolf. Super like, underrated. Ran Super the show. And don't get me wrong. We had John Simon. We had we had these other players. And John Simon was only 2012. But we had other players that were grown men. But Christian Bryant was the heart, the soul, the alpha. Who is that on this defense, Ben, the last two years? Nobody. Pete Warner? And I'm not. Pete's a great was a, is a great great player. He's not but that yeah, guy. But Christian Bryant that brings the swagger. Mm -hmm. Like you talk to Christian Bryant right now, my, my man, successful as shit in the business world. His brother just won the fucking Thorpe Award. Going to be probably a second round pick. Like you talk to Christian right now, he still has that swagger. Mm -hmm. Like he still has that shit about him where you're like, this fucking dude is a is a real one, like a dog. Right. Right. And you have to have that. 2014, Curtis Grant fucking dog i've 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 had him on a show a hundred times I, I i put a video out there um of just leader it was, it was a video we showed in 2015 about leadership and it was all about curtis grant like when he spoke you could hear a pin drop everyone was burning i mean their eyes were burning through his soul and when he spoke it was with conviction it was raw authentic real like he was the voice the heartbeat the alpha who has that been the last two years Nobody. I mean, it's interesting because I think like like having a player on field that when if you mess up, he's going to immediately hold you accountable and you're almost more worried to make him make sure that you're doing a good job. So he doesn't light you up rather than a coach. I think that's super powerful. I don't think we've had that the last. No. I, don't think, I don't think we've had the last five or six years.
And, and, like, and I see in the comments, like, Darren Lee was big in 2014. Yeah, he was big as a, as a player. As he was a, a player, great player. Right, great Made player. plays. Phenomenal. He was not the heartbeat. He brought a lot of passion and energy, but he was not that guy that could hold other people accountable. Like, he would talk shit to you if you fucked up because he was, he was on his shit, but it was all driven by Curtis Grant. And I'm telling you, they haven't had that guy. So I hope this kid can be that guy because they need someone to be that. And it can't, unfortunately, it can't be a corner. Like, Marshawn Lattimore had that type of personality, but it just can't be a corner. Yeah, like you're a safety or a linebacker. I think safety or a linebacker. It has to be, mm -hmm. has to be. And so you're looking at it like, who is that guy? Honestly, I, I said it last year and he didn't have the year. I thought he should, but Taraja Mitchell is that guy. If he's a good enough player, but you don't have to be a first-round draft pick. Curtis Grant was mm -hmm. not a first-round draft pick. He split time with Raekwon McMillan, but he had their respect. He was a, a good player. He handled his business. He did his job, and then he was that motherfucking voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. That Like, if you knew at halftime, if if the corners were playing like shit, he was going to be over there, like, just in your in your ear. Right. And, and so they got, they got to find that. And I think that's the biggest thing Jim Knowles is going to have to do. Not only institute his defense, not only make strides at the linebacker position, make strides at the safety position and develop a pass rush, all those things they have to do. But more important than anyone, any of that, he needs to develop a culture and an attitude. And it comes with an alpha. Who is the alpha? Identify the alpha, empower the alpha, and get him to drive the defense. Right. And one of the things I noticed in the kind of watching the Michigan breakdown when they were getting gashed, instead of guys getting mad, guys were looking around confused. Like, I think that's like one of the one of the big differences. Uh, it, I don't want to say it becomes expected, but it becomes it's like, accepted. oh, shit, here we go again. It's like, oh, here we go again. Type, yeah, it's type. like, oh, shit, this defense sucks. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, the defense doesn't suck. Mm -hmm. You do <laughs> like, like, and like not you as a player, but the way you're playing sucks. And it's just. They got a lot of work to do, and mm. and I know they're working on it. I've heard some great things from spring practice. The defense is, you know, it's got a, it's, it's got what right now. It's got false swagger back, right? It's mm. got false confidence where they're excited about the new defense. It's not real yet. They're not dominating anyone yet, but they feel a different energy, right? And, and it's it's part of it is the grass is always greener, but now it's about what they do with it. If they capitalize on it and push forward with it and actually turn it into real confidence and real swagger, then you got something, right? So it, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm excited to see kind of the end of spring ball. What is what is the word, right? Yeah. What is what is the vibe? And it's interesting because Knowles, if you look at his resume, the one thing, if you're going to consider him an expert at, his, his strong point as a coach, it's linebacker play, and that's, yeah. and that's no secret. I mean, they had, a, they had a, an All-American linebacker down there at Oklahoma State where really we have the all the all American linebacker talent in the room that just hadn't been being developed. I do oh, think that Billy Davis is owed a little bit of an apology because it was ever since his guys left the room, it's been uh it's it's been a little yeah. little iffy. Uh, yeah, all those people that thought Bill Davis sucked. Where you at now? <laughs> I'm right here and I'm people. sorry. I'm sorry. I try to I'm tell right people here. Bill Davis is a great football coach. Mm -hmm. He really is. He did he wasn't a great recruiter because he, he'd been an NFL coach for 25 years, but he's a phenomenal football coach. He was just on the most dysfunctional defensive staff I've ever seen. And he was thrown to the wolves. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I, so right around that time when linebackers were struggling, when the defense was struggling, when Bill Davis was the coach there, I just got my first um, Ohio state, preview show and post game show in Akron. And um, one of the segments that I had produced was the beat up Bill Davis segment. And I would take callers, callers just come in and just slam Bill Davis again and again and again and again. Um, and so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bill Davis. Well, um, that's why they're called fans. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was because, that was because I'll be honest, you watch the film and be like, damn, what is this linebacker coach doing? I get it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I see it. Uh, it just, 
It's unfortunate because it, it, it's yeah. top to bottom. It's that's not just my, that's my formal apology to Bill Davis. But uh, on the camp side, Zach, what do you have? What are you hearing? Because it's funny because like there's like a lot of message boards, a lot of insiders out there, um, and it's fun to read about. It's it's cool. But I, Isn't I was, hilarious. Like all these insiders, right? All these people that have inside sources, they always say like I'll, I'll give it to you right now. Ready? Jackson Smith and Jigba looks unbelievable faster through, through spring. Travion Henderson got bigger and. They expect a huge jump and a great season, right? Mm. CJ Stroud has been has looked like the number one overall pick. He hasn't missed a throw all spring. Like I can give you all these storylines. It's anyone that was good last year has gotten better, right? That's Plus what you're they, sprinkling. You're sprinkling a five star from last year that was a freshman too. Yeah, like right. Jack oh, Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, ja oh Jack Sawyer uh, looks like a grown man. It's like shit like that. You're like, what the fuck? You don't know. Like you, you ain't at practice. You, you don't know a damn. Th Who told you that? You do not know shit. It's just hilarious, but I have, I've heard some great things and obviously I don't, I'm not a reporter. Like I don't hit mm. up my sources or really my friends is who it is. I don't hit them up and ask them for info because we wouldn't be friends. If I was digging for info to report to people, they'd be like, well, damn, I can't talk to my guy. Like that's my, that's my boy. So I, I will, I will never do that. But I, you know, I always want to know about guys. One, one, the receivers. I always want to know about the receivers and I want to know about my guys. And, and I'll tell you the most exciting thing that I have been told is that Cameron Babb looks is 100% healthy and he looks like an Ohio State starter you know and and really it's just about prayers that he stays healthy at this point and man when i heard that i'm i'm not kidding you i almost i almost shed a tear and the guy the guy i was talking to i, I i've said it on here and i said it to him and he was like that is the best way to describe him is that i hope my son becomes like him there's no better way to say it like he's a great kid okay you say that about fucking everyone right um you know, awesome kid, like, like nice kid, whatever. No, I want my son to be exactly like him. And, and when I said that, the guy I was talking to was like, you know what? You're damn right. You're damn right. That's the same. And so he's, he's one that I was so excited to hear about that, that he's doing so well. So really just, I mean, prayers that he stays healthy because the kid deserves it. And like I said, he was one of my favorite high school prospects I ever recruited. Um, and, you know, I can say that now. I, now, now that I'm not coaching and not going to coach again, I could tell you if I thought he sucked. <laughs> but <laughs> he wasn't the other guy. They they said might be the best player on in the room is Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I said that I was like, excuse me, best <laughs> player in the room. Like, did you see Jackson Smith and Jigba? But you know, in Jigba, yeah, I've literally after the the greatest receiver performance in the history of the sport. Uh, you know, yeah. from a high school or college level, it's like. Who's going to yeah. be the best? And it's interesting. Oh, I mean, me, I'm just saying. Me and you, you have you, a theory on it. Me and you have if, a theory on Marvin Harrison Jr. If um, Cameron Babb is is as advertised and stays healthy and is healthy, right? It we know Jackson Smith and Jig was going to be a Blitnikoff candidate, right? Mm -hmm. Type of player. So that's that's two. Marvin Harrison Jr. is supposedly one of the the best in the room through spring, right? Or at least pushing for it. That's three. Then you have a Mecca Egbuka who was outstanding, and now you're talking about. Julian Fleming pushing for that four spot, maybe fifth. Wild, mm. wild times in Ridgemont High, right? Like, yeah, he's getting targets. I mean, he's he's running with the ones currently, and they're and they're yeah. But you know, I, and, and listen, for some reason, I think because everyone else is so talented, this this show sometimes seems like a shit on Julian Fleming show, which it's not at all. Like, mm -hmm. I think the kid has a chance to be a great player, but running with the ones in spring ball when you're a veteran doesn't mean shit. Right. He'd have to he's going to have to lose that spot. And if they want him to stick around, he's not going to lose that spot until the, the week before training camp. Right. Or I mean, not not before training camp, before the games, because otherwise he's going to transfer and they don't want that. And, I'm, and the other side of it is, let's say 
Emeka Ibuka is, is slightly better than him, or Cameron Babb is slightly better than him, right? Rotate. That doesn't mean he's going to be better than him come game one, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of development that goes on in the summer and training camp, so you you just got to make sure you don't lose anybody after spring, especially in the transfer portal era. So mm-hmm. Julian Fleming running with the ones doesn't mean shit to me, other than you know he's good enough to play, right? He might not be the be- one of the best three. He might be, but. They are. They know for damn sure they want him to be here in the fall. So he better run with the ones. The camera bab ain't going anywhere, right? JSN's obviously going to be a one. He ain't going anywhere. Those young two, you gotta you gotta figure yeah. out where they fit. And the and the guy that I don't want to say is odd man out because he has elite speed is Jaden Ballard. Like where does he fit in now? Mm-hmm. And, and is he a role player? Is he a Jamison Williams for this offense? Because they really that's what they don't have, right? I can I can I can understand the conversation about we don't need Jameson Williams. We have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. It's like, yeah, yeah, but you, you do, but whatever. I get it. You you got by without him. But this receiver room now has lost that. They don't have a Chris Olave to mm-hmm. take the top off the coverage like four, three, eight speed or whatever he is, right? They don't have that Jameson Williams guy. They have guys that can run, but not that hundred meter dash athlete, right? That yeah. Devin Smith. And so Jaden Ballard is that, and so he provides a little something for you. Right, and he's he's you know he's going to be I believe a redshirt freshman, so he's still still young and hopefully oh, he's still got to, plenty yeah, of time. But I, I mean, for this season, right for this yeah. season also, I think it's interesting. I think that Brian Hartline, though the treatment of Julian Fleming, I think is two things. One, they want to see him hundred percent healthy, go through an entire camp, get him as much as many targets as they can, so they can see the kind of player he is. Secondly, yeah. I think I hope that Brian Hartline and that staff learned from the way they handled the wide receiver room last year. Because we we talked about it a couple times. They never had to lose Jamison Williams. No. Like If they would have handled it differently, they could have kept Jamison Williams. So to me, it looks like, okay, we've kind of learned from the Jamison thing. He should have been here. He was good enough to play here. Let's make sure we keep this wide receiver room in fold because the more talent we have here, the better. And the last thing you want to do is equip your enemies for war. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the knee injury, Alabama's national champions because we equipped them with that weapon. Yeah, without a doubt. And Ohio State didn't make the playoffs. So, you mm-hmm. you know, now they not because of offensive production, but you don't know. You don't yeah. know what one playmaker could have done. What do you have, 14 more touchdowns? I, who knows? But anyways, I mean, you can... You could rewrite history with hindsight all day long. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. Never, never hasn't been. But, but I just like the Brian Hartline's learning is, is kind of what I've, I've, I'm gathering yeah. from this on the outside looking in. Yeah, but I don't think like if he loses Julian Fleming, I don't think Julian Fleming goes to Alabama and wins a national championship for them. Like, I, he's not that caliber player, but I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, watch this. <laughs> watch yeah. this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, bet. <laughs> Oh geez, this is not a hill you're gonna die on, is it? Hey, yeah, I wouldn't. But but if he if he ended up at Alabama with Nick Saban, all right, bet. I've seen I've seen the the receivers they trotted out after James Williams got hurt. All right, bet. Okay. All right, enough of that, Zach. You got anything else for today? No, oh, I don't. But I did want to mention um, our our squares board. So I paid out all squares yesterday. Uh, all squares for the whole the whole tournament so far, but we still you still have a chance to win the final four games. You win four hundred bucks. The national championship you win a thousand bucks. We have twenty eight squares left. If you want in for the final four and the national championship game, Venmo one hundred dollars to Camera Media, and we will put you on the board. You have a chance to win two chances to win four hundred bucks and a chance to win a thousand bucks. I did want to mention that I probably should tweet about it just to see if anyone else wants in on the board. Um, but other than that, Chris, that's all I got. Menace out. Cool. Menace out.